You're listening to iWolves, Season 7, Episode 13, The Dog's Point of View. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Ian Dunbar and Jamie Dunbar. Hi everybody, welcome back. I'm here with my dad, Dr. Ian Dunbar, and his new book, Barking Up the Right Tree, which is available now. Uh, you can order it online or go to your local bookstore. We do love local bookstores. If they don't have it, they can certainly get their hands on it. I want to ask you today, Dad, you talk a lot about looking at things, especially dog training, from the dog's point of view. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Dogs are a different species. How do you put yourself in the mind of a dog? Well, <laughs> and how do you know that you've succeeded? I know that was three questions, so I'll go back to the first one. How do you uh, take the dog's point of view? I will speak rationally first, um, and then what I really do, because people will probably laugh. <laughs> so rationally, I just realize uh, if we're training, we have a trainer and a trainee, and they both presumably see things very differently. And so just logically, I try and think what it would be feel like to walk in the dog's paws. So for example, I think the last time I was saying um, all the owner wants to do is to get their dog to come and sit. Well, I now imagine I'm the dog in the dog park. Rover, come here. Rover, come here. Rover, come here. Come here. You know, I don't think that is really going to get your dog to come and sit. Okay. And so I did demos with human guinea pigs on stage, like at Cornell, I did a brilliant one, Mm -hmm. where I asked, I brought up a vet student, and I met him beforehand, I said, this may be a little scary, but you'll come to no harm. So I gave him a safe signal. So I asked him up on stage when the demo chance came, and I had 10 chairs, I said, oh, sit down, please. And he sat down, and I grabbed him by the pelvis. I said, no, what are you doing? Sit down. And he went to sit down again. This time I grab him. I did a judo hip throw, held his arm so he didn't crash on the ground. And his eyes went wide and he pulled his arms like this. Uh-huh. And he was scared. Uh-huh. And I As said, he should be. I said, well, you clearly I, seemed like an insane person. I said, Why kill didn't him? you tell the audience what you've learned? And yeah. no, no one has ever summed it up better. He said, Dr. Dunbar, you're a jerk. Uh-huh. I said, but why? I asked you to do something, you didn't do it. He said, you asked me to sit down. I tried twice and you got physical. I said, let me show you a different way. And I pulled out a 20. I never had 50s back then. And I did this and I motioned and I put it on the third chair from the right. Mm -hmm. And then I lured hand signals. He sat, I gave him the 20. And I said, come here. And he came to me. I said, sit down, please. And he sat on the third chair from the right. And so it really illustrates, it's a wonderful illustration of house training. How many times can you punish a Yorkie for urinating in the wrong place, say in your bedroom alone? Mm -hmm. Now it borders on infinity when you try and count them, you know, (laughs) because there's not just, you know, under the bed or on the bed, there's on your pillow, you know, there's on you, you know, there's all these things. Well, every time you punish them, Every time they do it, you've got to punish them. So infinite number of misbehaviors requires an infinite number of punishments, which takes a long time. How many right places are there for a Yorkie to pee in your entire house? Either zero or one, outside or the litter box. How long does that take to train? One thing? A finite amount of time. Now, when I studied math at school, finite is a lot shorter than 
infinite. <laughs> and that's why reward training is quicker yeah. than punishment training. Yeah. So, to put yourself in the mind of a dog, one thing you can do is you can do some play acting where you don't even try to pretend you're a dog. You just have someone treat you as they would treat a dog and you experience it as a human. And even just by doing that very simple sort of scenario... Just that you just think about it is all. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, like you don't even yeah. have to... You know, like, my question was kind of like, how do you put yourself in the mind of another species? But I think your point, that's very well illustrated in the story, is like, you don't even need to pretend you're a dog. You just need to get someone to treat you like they treat a dog to see how absurd some of these dog training strategies are. Then you get it straight right. away. You get it. But the other way... I actually embraced my inner puppy. Mm -hmm. I'm being totally serious here. The first time I did this was when I was doing research at UC Berkeley. And we were doing, it was about sex differences in dogs. And then it moved to sex differences in aggression, sex differences in hierarchy. So after a very short time, we realized we couldn't investigate hierarchy by looking at adult dogs. We had to see it developmentally because we had a male hierarchy that was perfectly inversely correlated with weight mm -hmm. which doesn't make sense yeah. in most hierarchy studies the bigger dogs are the higher ranking ours was totally opposite the top dog was the smallest little runt second top dog you know and so yeah. on and so I thought we need puppies and that's how I got my puppies yeah. well, since we had the puppies we thought we'd look at um, mating behavior obviously maternal behavior as well Mm -hmm. And then I was sitting at home, at, not at home, I used to dog sit then, so I had a six-month stunt, didn't with a Malamute, and I thought about maternal behavior. How do bitches know how to whelp? With no guides, no books, yeah. or us telling them. And so I sat down, I must admit I had a couple of glasses of wine, I thought, right, I'm a bitch, and I'm pregnant. What am I feeling? Because I can't use words here. Yeah. What are my sensations? And I went through it all. The, the whole thing. Yeah. The, the memory glands. Oh my God, they're leaking. What's mm -hmm. So I lick them. What happens when you lick? You create, release oxytocin. What does that do? Cause more leakage. You know? And so, well, and so I went through the whole thing, including birth. Mm -hmm. And I had delivered my little puppy without any education whatsoever, by a series of reflexes yeah. and one very special preference for amniotic fluid mm -hmm. that gets the bitch naturally to develop maternal behavior by causing reflexes in the puppy, reflexes in the bitch, and so on, yeah. and induces all the other puppies to come out because as soon as this puppy suckles, we've got oxytocin, which causes the uterus to contract, and out comes, you know, and so yeah. on and so on. So I did this in dog training. Well, first, before we go on yeah. in dog training, I feel yeah, like pretty wild. what I'm hearing from this, and I remember listening to your uh, canine sexual behavior study and, being, and having kind of a mind-blown moment where it's like, it is crazy that all these animals go through their experiences, many crazy experiences like pregnancy, without anyone being able to explain what's happening and what's going to happen next. And they all, they can get through it all based on instinct and physiology. And I think one of the things that you bring to dog training that's super valuable is your knowledge as a veterinarian of dog physiology and instinct that allows you to 
better than a lay person, put yourself in that mind of that pregnant whelping bitch because you know what actually happens to their body and you know what mm -hmm. the hormones do and you know what the body does because that is so much of the dog's or any of ours experiences, the, the sensations in the body and that your, your training as a veterinarian gives you this insight that a lot of people, a lot of dog trainers don't have access to in terms of the experience inside the dog. But then you were saying you took that same idea and you applied it to a young puppy tried to be yeah before that, I had another thought about the whelping experience oh. my my whelping experience yes. that you see part of this was sheer horror at this alien event yeah i mean alien like the movie i have something coming out of my body well first i'm exploding and i'm i'm, I'm trying cut down on kibble and I'm getting bigger and bigger every day. Yeah. But then this thing comes out of my body and I thought, oh my God. And then I thought, no, a dog probably wouldn't feel that fear. I'm only feeling that fear because I've seen the movie Alien mm -hmm. and the concept of me now doing my giving birth is scaring me. But dogs haven't seen that movie. Right. Instead, dogs are experiencing something really, really pleasurable mm -hmm. the amniotic fluid that's coming out mm -hmm. the dog think oh my god you know i've always loved the smell of rabbit and cat poop but this it's like catnip to dogs amniotic fluid yeah. and it's coming out now which causes then the licking and the what have you um and so that's an interesting take whereas yeah. for humans because we got brains and we've seen these scary movies and we know a lot of the dangers with childbirth, yeah. that, oh God, my hands goes out to shake the hand of any woman that's yeah. given birth. Well, I mean, there's also just, yeah. if even if you hadn't heard any of that, there is pain involved. Yes. Is there pain? Do you know if there's... It's extreme pain, extreme pleasure. Do you know well, if there's pain for well, well-being? Certainly with a sort of... Uh, Horses and cows when you've got one young, but for a multitop of species like cats and dogs, I mean, you can have some Irish setters have 17 pups. Well, so I guess each one's pretty small. It's like saying? rabbit poop, you know, bloop, uh -huh. bloop, bloop, bloop. So, so you're saying there's less pain with a larger litter because yeah. they come out in little They're smaller serving yeah. sizes. And I mean, I saw a, <laughs> one dog once you know, giving birth to, and three pups were coming at once. Uh -huh. And they were like fighting to get through the cervix and they all came out uh -huh. in a bloop. Yeah. Three pups, you know, but yeah, if you've got a single yeah. and especially with, with um, long legged critters, so like horses, yeah. those legs are real difficult yeah. to get out. Okay, yeah. but back to, back to how do you put yourself training. in the mind of a dog? I, I do it with this dog uh, who's in my mind mm -hmm. and I think he was in my original Iwoofs and I used to mimic him and he talks like this and he had a friend. Um, Mr. Akita, who he calls Sensei. Mm -hmm. And so it goes like this. The puppy says, uh, Sensei. Um, and then, and then the Akita would say, uh, what did he call him? Grasshopper. Grasshopper. He says, uh, what's up, Grasshopper? Uh -huh. And Grasshopper, the puppy, would say, well, I, I'm worried about my owner. And say, well, what is it, Grasshopper? Well, I was at the park the other day and I'm having a lovely time. You know, he's ignoring me, he's checking his text, you know, and all that. And then, you know, I, I, I think I heard him says, you know, uh, grasshopper, time to go. But I, I didn't pay any attention because I'm sniffing this little rear end, you know. And so then I hear him, he gets a bit later, you know, grasshopper, come. 
and then he shouts at me. I'm doing nothing wrong, you know, I'm just playing. And then he gets really angry. And I'm, I was actually worried. Mm -hmm. So I ran up to him to see if I could help, you know, what he's, he's scared about. Mm -hmm. And then he gets, he shouts and screams and he grabs me by the collar and he says, don't you ever do that again. And so I, I don't know what to do. I mean, I love my owner, but I don't know what to do when I'm in the park. Well, Grasshopper, I think if you ever hear the words come here, you should probably be best to stay away from your owner in the park. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you see, and immediately it becomes obvious what the dog... So I used to do... <laughs> Sounds these. like your other big tip is to use a Cockney accent. Is that, is that Cockney or what, how would you describe... Oh, it's East, just London. Okay, yeah. London accent. Not so. even East London. It's, you know... Adopt a persona. Yeah. Uh -huh. And then I became that puppy. And so you naturally ask a question. Well, you know the answer immediately. Stay away from your owner when he's screaming. Yeah. Or when his hand comes out to grab your collar. Right. Duck your head, dash off. It seems so, like it really it boils down to putting yourself in that position and thinking about how your human is treating you. You know, and, and looking at yeah. it like, you know. I try to stay words. I say words to puppies. Like, I, I imagine the puppy's first huge fear, first biggest stressor, is um, the first night in his new home. So mm -hmm. he's been with mum and snuggling with his litter mates because they have to, because they don't have temperature modulation yet. So they're all yeah. in a lump. And now he's in a different house with humans, maybe no dog, yeah. or maybe a big adult dog. And then the lights are turned out and a lot of puppies are put in a crate and they're left. And I get myself into this frame whenever I'm doing a first night job with puppy. Mm -hmm. Now I'm lucky because my brain turns a light at midnight. Like you. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, we're night owls. But I've always seemed to have been with morning people. Oh. So when we have a new puppy, I say, well, let's get it very early in the morning so you can get it used to going in the crate, coming out, getting in, so we can house train it, get it chew toy trained oh. and what have you during the day. And then I take over, usually about nine o'clock, when um, my human would go to bed. Yeah. And um, so we, all the dogs in their crates. And we crate train because we have to transfer the training to somebody else. The dogs are trained for veterans, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and um, so I put them, dogs in the crate, settle down, they all get their good night cookers. Then I sit down by the crate, on the floor, usually without a pillow or a bed, because I think I may do this quickly. Yeah. And I talk to the puppy. I say, you're probably feeling a little scared now, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, it's your first night. I said, but good news is I'm with you and I won't leave till you're sound asleep. Mm -hmm. And even when you are, and I, I promise, even when you are asleep, I'm not going to go to bed. Yeah. And I talk to them. Yeah. I praise them when they settle down. But here's the kicker. When they eventually go to sleep, and the latest one, sometimes it's within 10 minutes, sometimes half an hour. One puppy screamed for a good four hours. And I, I talked to it, I sang songs, I recited poetry, I yeah. cried. And eventually it fell asleep. Then I wake them up. Why? I don't want them to fall asleep and then we have to tiptoe around. I want them to fall asleep quickly 
the first time. So I wake him up. Well, he's unconscious now. He's been crying for four hours. Even he's exhausted. He's, he's exhausted. Yeah. So I wake him up. Say, come on, open your little eyes. I said, yes, yeah, see, I'm still here because I can still remember the sounds of my mum and dad talking to me on car trips. Mm -hmm. I'm asleep. Right, while you're dozing in and out of that yeah, twilight. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So I'm talking to the puppy, and I do it about five times. And then I walk away to the couch. I don't go to bed. Yeah. I'm in the couch in a different room so I can hear any whimper. So I, the whimper, I say, I'm still here. Yeah. Just go to sleep. It takes me two nights max. Yeah. Usually the puppies are fine on their second night, always on the third. When it's time to go to bed, all the dogs go in the crate. So does the puppy. He gets his chew toy, choo-choo, and he's asleep. Yeah. And I think by role-playing, and I pretend I'm the puppy, and I acknowledge yeah. you're scared. Yeah. And I'm worried, too. I'd like this to be quick. I think that's, um, that's great where I feel like we, you had, um, when you're talking about putting yourself in the mind of the dog, gave me a couple examples of that scenario where your owner gets mad at you and how that's a really important uh, situation to empathize with a dog. Mm -hmm. And this other one about a puppy's first night in a crate also seems like a really valuable one for people to empathize with. Oh, yeah. Where people... They don't appreciate how um, potentially terrifying and unsettling and unfamiliar this experience would be. Because there's no he words. Hearing you describe it makes me think about how um, I feel like a good mind game for someone would be the idea of being abducted by aliens. That yeah. you're at home, you're like, you're a, little, you're a child, you get abducted by aliens. And these aliens, they're not here to hurt you, but you can't communicate with them. And how would how would they treat you, you know, like in a way... And you kind of want to be like that benevolent alien, you know, where you're like, yeah. you can't actually say anything. You can communicate with them in the same way, like the alien language. You might not understand the words, but the fact that they're, you know, bloop, 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 you know, yeah. it's like, okay, well, but I guess these people are. You would immediately use your voice there. Yeah. And there's there's a lot that. You mean be... as the human being abducted? Yeah, they're going uh, bloop, 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 bloop. And immediately as humans, we would respond bloop, 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 bloop. Well, no, I'd say, please take me home. <laughs> Leave me. I want to go home. This is crazy. Which is which is a puppy crying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know? yeah so it's yeah. like, you shouldn't be shocked that your puppy's crying in their crate. That first oh, yeah. Home. No, the puppy yeah. has lost it. Yeah. He can't do a lot of the pro-social stuff. He's in sheer panic. Yeah. You, you've got to. I mean, this is Mimi's side. And, and Mimi, it's Jamie's mom, features quite prominently in the book because we had these conversations of basically... Um, on the one hand, a behaviorist observing, quantifying, an operant psychologist, uh, then re reinforcing to change behaviors. And on Mimi's side, cognitive psychology, embracing the feelings and emotions of mm -hmm. the other party. And you, 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 I mean, how can you not take that into account? Yeah. And, and this is where on TV, I, I do get upset with some trainers when they are obviously not reading what the dog is saying. He's trying to communicate, please stop, or I'm scared. Yeah. And, and, and it's not so much what they do, but I object to that too. But it's that they carry on regardless, not acknowledging what the dog's saying. Mm -hmm. And this is very important when it comes to like dog-dog reactivity. We talked about this. A lot of people get scared because the pup is growling, lunging, barking, and biting. But when you look at the rest of his behavior, he's saying, this is only in jest. I'm just, we're just playing, right? Mm -hmm. And so they get angry with the dog and jerk him or even give him shocks mm -hmm. for what is purely 
play solicitation and play behavior yeah. with other dogs. Yeah. So I think, yeah, teaching owners how to read, and I had another brainwave uh, last night, we need another course purely on interpreting play behavior. You know, that success. I think you, people would love that. You took yeah. that short clip online or like, is it play or Yeah, is we it? have a, a YouTube video, play or fighting. Play or fighting. The difference. And that yeah. we need hours of that I think with the running do. commentary. Yeah. Because we got the footage and it's good quality. So I was just checking for quality. Which I think is a good point when a lot of people try and put themselves into the uh, mind of a dog, if they don't have the experience uh, to know how to interpret dog behavior, they can sometimes be 180 degrees off. Oh, they often of are. What the dog is actually thinking. Yeah, and no, that's where. It's not sometimes, yeah. often, often, totally. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, Dad, thank you very much thank for you, talking Jamie. with me. What and, a, that uh, was a great. I did enjoy that one. Today. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Remember, if you want to get. Barking Up the Right Tree, you can find it online or in your local bookstore. Alright, see you next time. Thanks for listening to iWolf's Season 7, Episode 13, The Dog's Point of View. If you'd like to learn more about dog behavior and training, make sure to check out DunbarAcademy.com. And as always, thank you for listening.